Let me direct your attention back to Psalm 33, and thank you very much for your presence and participation today, and I appreciate that beautiful song and all the time that took and effort to get it together for us this morning to challenge our hearts with the one nation under God. We're looking at Psalm 33. Let's begin in verse number 1, if we can, please. Psalm 33, verse number 1, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord, O ye what? Righteous. For praise is comely for thee. One thing you'll know when you read your Bible is that God is very concerned about righteousness and doing things right. Someone said nothing is ever settled right till it's settled right with God. Nothing's ever settled till it's settled right, never settled right till it's settled right with God. And one thing you'll find as you read your pages of the Bible cover to cover is God is going to draw your hearts to know what is the right thing to do. And the right thing is not what you think or what I think. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You talk to Mariah Carey, you talk to pop singers of the day and movie stars and Tom Hanks, and you ask them, what do you do when you don't know what to do? He said, just go with your heart. Just do whatever your heart feels you're doing. And that's bad medicine. Because the Bible says, whoso trusts in his own heart is a fool. The heart, how I feel and how I think and what I want at any given time is very fluid. It's up and down. It can be confused very easily. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? But God's attention is to find out what is right. Wisdom is seeing God way of doing things. It's looking life through his lenses. Remember the day that I couldn't, I, I, I have a Bible. I've had it since 1995 and have had several covers on it, but I've tried to keep the pages and, and, uh, and that, and I really enjoy this Bible, very thankful for it. But I remember the one day I went, I was looking at it and I said, you know, honey, I've been reading this Bible so much. My oil and my hands have made it kind of smear. I can't hardly see it anymore. She said, try the glasses. I put the glasses on and said, oh, no, I'm blind. I've, I have crossed a precipice where I can't see without glasses. This is terrible. I remember thinking about that. But the truth of the matter is, when I look at this page right now that's in front of me, if I tried to read it to you, you would say, Pastor, you're reading a different version of the Bible. Because <laughs> that's not what my Bible says, because I can't see it well. But when I put my glasses on... I see it much better. And when you look at this world in your own understanding, in your own thinking, you'll get all squirrely. Everything's going to be very blurry. What God wants you to do is look at it through the lens of his wisdom and his word. Then things will start to clear up for you a little bit. But you must look at it through the lenses of his righteousness. What does he think is right? And he tells us. Matter of fact, the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. For doctrine, that's what's right. For reproof, that's what's not right. So you want to know what to do? Get in the Bible. I want to know what not to do? Get in the Bible. I've messed up so bad, I don't know what to do now. It's for correction. That's how to get right. Doctrine, what's right? Reproof, what's not right? Correction, that's how to get right. And then the instruction of righteousness, that's how to stay right. Anybody who has a relationship with the Bible and will love it and let it sink into their hearts and obey it, they're going to do things right. And the Bible says, I love to hear the rejoicing of those that are right. Verse number two, would you look at that if you would please? Praise the Lord with harp. That's a musical instrument. Sing unto him with psaltery. 
He said, sing songs that are accompanied by music, by, by instruments, and with the instruments of ten strings. He said, I, I like that. And occasionally there are some churches that do not use instruments when they sing. And I think one of the most beautiful music voice, music instruments ever made is the human voice. One of my favorite parts of coming to church, and many things are favorite about it, but I love the singing of God's people. And I love to hear the choir. I love to hear you sing. I love to sing together with you. But God says, sing with instruments. I like the accompaniment too. Sing a cappella, sing it with instruments. And praise me in a right way. Look at verse number three. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud voice. I want to just say to you, there's nothing wrong with a new song. I think there is something wrong with a worldly song. <laughs> I don't think that God has to borrow anything from the devil to, to do that. And by the way, our natural hearts, young people, you've got to watch out for this. It's a youthful lust because the worldliness of this world, you are attracted to that. Don't borrow things from the world and say, I'm going to praise God with this. He doesn't need the filth of the world to praise him. No. I think a, a new song is good. Every once in a while, we sang some new songs today. Songs were written by members of our church and, and songs I think were glorified the Lord. But we have to always fight that. That's a battle. That's a battle pastor fights. It's a battle that our schools fight, that our youth pastors fight, and everybody. We're not always successful on that. But I want to make sure that God is glorified with holiness. And God is glorified not with a worldly form, but with a distinctively holy form. He said, he said, I want to be praised, and sing me with a new song, and then play skillfully. Aren't you glad for people who can play an instrument? Play a piano, or play the violin, or the, the trumpets this morning were just, brother, brother Eddie is deaf in his left ear now, and it's wonderful, it's great. Um, but, uh, boy, those guys are blowing that trumpet. They had to work skillfully on that. The tuba player, the people that are playing the, the, uh, the timpani and the cymbals. And I'm just glad someone can, I don't know how they look on a piece of paper and get to figure out all that stuff. But, boy, the discipline and the things. He said, play for me skillfully. And I thank God for those who are practicing and playing things for the Lord skillfully. Verse number five, or verse number four, the word of the Lord is what? Right, you'll see that theme throughout the word of God, but certainly in this passage. And all his works are done in truth. He loveth what? And judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Goodness, when you see the word good in your Bible, normally it implies generosity. You know, the Bible says that the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And then long-suffering, goodness, gentleness. Goodness means giving of what God's given you to others. And learning to share with you. And boy, hasn't God shared with us so many things? Aren't you glad God made a banana? Aren't you glad God made raspberries and strawberry and snozzleberries? I'm just sorry. No, I'm the snozzleberries. I've been watching chocolate, uh, the chocolate factory too much there on that. But he made all those things that we can enjoy. Aren't you glad he made beaches and mountains and oceans and rivers, creeks? You're glad he made trees and flowers. I love, I walked by a honeysuckle the other day. Oh, that's awesome. Just want to just go ahead and just dive into the honeysuckle. But you're glad I had some honey the other day. I'm thinking about all that God did to make honey. Bees. When I see a bee, I want to swat it. Get away from me. But boy, I like the honey that bees make. He said, the earth is full of his goodness to us. You know, everybody wants to complain about something. Want to complain about America. Want to complain about this. But boy, God's been good to us. 
And when the man, when the, when the fires of gratitude and appreciation leave us and go from us, then, then we're really well nigh hopeless. When someone, hey, don't, don't make your spouse live with an ingrate. Don't make your mom and dad live with a complaining teenager. Someone's just, their cup is always half empty rather than half full. They're just never satisfied. God wants us to praise him in song. So when we come to church, boy, you ought to be, you ought to find the song book and you ought to sing it out. I was made to praise the Lord and I will, I'll praise him. That'll be something we all do. When there's a song about our country, I think it's good and, and patriotic and right. I think, God, much of our songs in the Bible were about the nation of Israel. Why? Because that's, it, was, it was a Jewish book, and he wanted them to be thankful for their country. He wanted their country to be, he said, righteousness exalteth the nation, and sin is a reproach to any people. I think there's proof that some patriotism, I don't think we ought to worship our country, worship a flag, but we ought to, we ought to thank God for the principles in which they stand for and I think God in, in does that all through the Bible. He reminds his people, I want you to rejoice in Israel. Even when you're in Babylon, I want you to, to, to remember the nation of Israel and its blessings on your life. I thank God for Israel because through Israel we get our scriptures and we get our Savior. But I'm also thankful for America because it's founded on the same principles. And usually wherever they burn flags in the whole world, it's an American flag along with a Jewish flag. Those two, those, two, those two flags are burned continually. And I think it's because America has through its history, and we wane sometimes, and we do better than other times, but the Bible says if we bless Israel, he'll bless us. We find that God is, is going to reflect and say, now, you know, the earth is full of his goodness. So instead of complaining and griping and looking through uh, uh, glasses of negativity, why don't you look through it through things that are good and right and and pure, and thoughts of gratitude. And everything give thanks. This is the will of God. Say, why don't do the will of God? Give thanks. <laughs> Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for what you have, not what you don't have. Have a contented spirit. Let's continue on if we can, please. Verse number six. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his what? How did God create everything that we know? He spoke it. He said, let there be light. He said, let this happen. He just spoke those things in existence. One thing the Bible says he did not speak. He formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. You're very different than an animal. Here God's going to set up himself as the creator. He is the creator, and he made things. And you, you and I, anyone who believes in the, the alternate thought of evolution is a theory. That is, they oftentimes say it's a fact, but here God's going to remind the world. And by the way, it's a good thing to start with anybody, is that God is the creator. Amen. Most of us, most of us all, we're born that way. We understand there's someone bigger than us out there. We have a consciousness that God has put in. We have consequences. We have circumstances that tell us that God is real. But God here is saying, look, I spoke everything by my word. That's why the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, and in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things were made by Him. He made it. Colossians reminds us that it was spoken. It was, everything was made by Jesus. He's the Word. 
And it's interesting to know that. We don't have time to continue to develop that. But let's look if we can. Verse number 7, he gathered the waters in the sea in the heap. And he laid up the depths and storehouses. He, he separated the waters in the land. Verse number 8, let all the earth fear or recognize the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. He said, anybody who recognized God in the equation, that's a, that's a good way to live. And then stand in awe. That means just to be like dumbfounded how awesome God is. It be wonderful for us to say, Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're awesome. I'm amazed when I think about all you've done, and who you are, what you've done. Verse number nine, he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He just speaks and things happen. Verse number 10, the Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices or the attitudes or thoughts of the people of none effect. Whatever kind of idea people can come up as counterproductive to God or counteractive to God, he says, he'll make it sound like a little fairy tale. He'll bring it to absolutely nothing. He'll embarrass them. By the way, I think it's a good idea when people come up with things that they're just off the wall, is keep asking them questions where they got that. You know, they're, they're usually afraid of someone they heard or something they read. Okay, where did that come from? How did that person get that? You know, it's oftentimes people are not able to defend a loud and boisterous decision that they make. Oftentimes, he says, you know what? God can take any device of any man. The most God is not afraid of the atheist. I don't think God believes in atheists. <laughs> I don't think your atheists are real. I think, they, they, I think that's some people can say, well, I'm an atheist, but most of them... There's no atheists in foxholes, and they come around to figuring it out one day. And God already put us in their heart. He put several things to know there's a God. He put creation. Look around this world. You know somebody. That didn't just happen because of a, a happenstance or a blow-up someplace. Number one, you look inside yourself. Your conscience tells you there's a God. And uh, you may not know the right God, but you know there is a God circumstances, situations that happen that, man, that's no way. That only happened because someone bigger than me is out there. Consequences. When you thought you got away with something and you got caught with it, you're like, man, how'd that happen? I've had people do something and have something bad, and they're thinking, oh, I know. Even, even, some, even some folks who say they're agnostic. Like, I know why that happened because I did this. It's divine retribution. <laughs> divine retribution. Circumstances, consequences. God gave us uh, Christ. He sent, he sent his son to the world. And everywhere in the world, even if it's, they don't understand everything about it, it's 2022 because that was after the Jesus came. God put on the calendar to remind us that he brought his son. Then he gave us his scriptures, the word of God. Anybody who reads the Bible, the Bible starts reading them. Because the word of God is quick and it's powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And, and people who want to disprove the Bible, the best thing you can do is start reading the Bible. And it'll help you figure it out. I'm glad God gave us the scriptures, aren't you? Continue on, if you would, please. Now we've come to the kind of the heart of the thought here. The Bible says, the counsels of the Lord standeth how long? God does everything forever. He has eternity in our hearts. He's put it in our hearts. And what he does, he's thinking about eternity. He said, my ways are higher than your ways. You think temporal, I'm thinking eternal. You think comfort, I'm thinking, I'm thinking rewards. You think, you think local, I'm thinking global. But he's also thinking of eternity. He said, what God does, he does forever. And the thoughts of his heart are to all generations. He's thought about you before you showed up here. 
Verse number 12, read out loud with me, would you please? Blessed is the nation and the people whom have chosen. I wish I could continue reading for sake of time. Let me just make a couple thoughts if I can. I want to just tell you three things I love and things I feel like we need to think about on a day like today. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Number one, I thank God and I have praise for the country of America. I thank God for this country. Oh, I know it's got lots of problems, and it's had problems ever since it started. 247 years ago tomorrow, people stood and signed their life away and their fortunes away as they broke from from the tyranny of of England. Unbelievable. How many remember in 76, 1976? Do you remember the bicentennial? Anybody have a quarter still? Give it to me. I'm just joking. Uh, those bicentennial quarters, and that those are. I remember that. I remember thinking that that's a long time. That's that's a thirty. That's forty-seven years ago. Somebody's getting old in this picture. Can't believe it. And yet, two hundred forty-seven years ago, they stood and made that. But what I, I think of wonderful things. First, I think of our heritage. Number two, I think of our government, legislated, judicial, executive. Well, they can have some problems with each other, but they got to have each other. There's checks and balances. It's ingenious, the way our government is set up. It's not always, it's not perfect, and there's no government in the world perfect, but I'm sure glad we got all three of those components. I think there's some security in that. I think about our country and its free market system. It's not always perfect to everybody, but I thank God that a man can come here, a woman can come here, and they can set up shop, and God can help them, and they'll work hard, and they'll be successful. It's not always great for everybody. And, you know, of course, the automobile, how many are thankful for an automobile? You wouldn't be thankful for an automobile if you were a wagon maker because <laughs> you went out of business. <laughs> how many are thankful for electricity and, and, uh, and lights? You wouldn't be thankful if you were a candle maker back before that. He was like, I'm going out of business. Nobody needs my candle because now there's lights going on. There's certain things that change o- over time. But I thank God for the free market system. Thank God for immigrants that come here and they work hard and they they can be successful. It's an amazing system that I think was birthed out of biblical concepts and principles. I thank God for uh, the fact that we can welcome people from all over the world who will embrace our values and will pledge allegiance to to our system. I'm not interested in people coming over here and trying to make us a, you know, a, a different way, bringing their countries, their government. If you want your government, stay in Saudi Arabia. You know? If you want your government, stay where you are. If you want to come change us, don't change us, but let's, let's, let's function the way we are right here. You're, you're, it's, it's a place that's opened its arms. I thank God for that. I thank God for the divine protection of our country. The American Revolution alone, when you see... George Washington hears stories of kneeling on the snow and seeing the, the cold winter and the people unprepared, and yet that little ragtag army beats a mighty army of Britain. Great things happen only God could do. I've seen that many times. I believe we see that in our own country. I'm thankful that we have uh, so many, we have such an immense variety of geography. I was flying yesterday from Phoenix, Arizona, saw numerous people whose lives have been changed and affected by this place that I saw in that place. I was so blessed by that. I have a couple pictures I'll show you tonight. 
But I just as flying across, you see the, the vastness. You see the, we have waterfalls. We have the Grand Canyon. You have tropical areas of, of Florida. You have um, beautiful, fruitful fields of, of Central Valley of California. You have wide open, big skies of Montana. It's a good time of the year to read Brother Hiles' poem called I Love America. That's a great poem. And you can find it, I'm sure, if you Google it or get one of the books. It's a great poem just to remind us of all the good things we have. America has many things we can praise him for, and I'm not doing a good job. But number two, it's got many problems. America's weak. We're weakened by wickedness, sin. We've got all kinds of issues. You know, we've got, we can't figure out if it's a boy or a girl. So sick of the month of June being shoved down our throat. Everywhere I turn around, it's pride about immorality. And I, I, I think anybody's welcome to our church. We definitely have folks who have a different persuasion. Everybody's welcome. But there's nothing proud about sin. Only a fool make a mock at sin. And God tells us very clearly that to, for a man to lay with mankind, a woman to lay with womankind is an abomination to God. There's no tolerance. I mean, we, we, ha- we, we, can, we can accept people we can't agree with. At the same time, it's just, it just kind of seems like to me we're just broken. The transgender issues and being teaching little children when they're three, four, five, six years old. It's crazy. The things that we tolerate and work on, it's just unbelievable. The unsafest place for a baby in America is in the womb of its mother. 61 million babies have been killed and I'm thankful for what's taken place in the Supreme Court, but I can't believe how much stuff has, how much negative things have come out of that. We're not pro-choice, we're pro-abortion. Big, big companies and, and things, they, they, want, they, they, they want, they don't want babies. Some of their best workers are young, lady, female workers. They, in the work, their, their biggest enemy to productivity is for them to have a baby. So they fund all this, all these, these companies, Disney and, and all these, uh, the Apple, and all this, they're funding Planned Parenthood. Let's kill the babies. Let's deal with that. We, they, cut, they cut into our profit margin. Oftentimes they hate that. It's, it's, just, it's a sick world. And America, for all its praises, we've got lots of problems. Found in wickedness and found in, in weakness. The Bible says that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin becomes a reproach to any people. We're seeing it played out in our society. Then I think, lastly, though, what, is, what am I supposed to do? What does the Bible tell me to do when I'm a citizen of a country that things are not going all that hot? There's three things you can do for sure. Number one, you're supposed to pray. The Bible commands us in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Pray for kings and for all that be in authority. Because no one can complicate our life quite like our government can. And we need to pray for our country. We're commanded to do it. Commanded to pray for other countries of the world. And primarily because we want to live out our gospel and, and godly life. By the way, if you want, to, you want the government to help you live a godly life, why don't you decide to live a godly life? Is your phone pure? Is your computer pure? 
Is your verbal skills, is the way you talk to your wife pure? Is the way you talk to your husband pure? Is the way you talk to your mom and dad pure? Is it godly? We're praying for a country to help us have that opportunity, but we ought to live that way, regardless of whether they're permission or not. Are you working for marriage? Trying to be what God wants you to be? Trying to be the son, the daughter, the brother, the sister, the citizen? And we ought to be proactive, and first of all, in our prayers. Number two, we ought to pay. We ought to pay our taxes. You, you read your Bible, you're going to see that to be the case. Even the Lord Jesus was confronted with that. He says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. Render to God the things that are God. Right. Romans chapter 13, that's taught in our Hammond Baptist schools, and our City Baptist schools, is, is taught to the young people. But the Bible tells us that you, you're supposed to pay your taxes. I would, I would suggest you pay only your taxes and not a penny more. <laughs> At the same time, I do believe God's command us to do that. We're supposed to pay. We're supposed to, we're supposed to pray. We're supposed to honor our authorities. The Bible says honor the king. I don't know if I've ever been as frustrated sometimes with our leadership. God tells us to pray for our governors and pray for our mayors and pray for our city council and pray for our, our country. And then we're supposed to honor them. And then we're supposed to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest things you can do to honor God is to get people the gospel of Jesus. We live in a world that needs help. Our country needs help. And uh, you can be a part of that help if you and I will obey the Bible. The Bible says here in verse number 12, blessed is that nation whose God is the Lord. And then whose people, that's me, that's you, whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. 